You're listening to episode 104 of the Mud Stories podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. Hey friend, Merry Christmas to you. I am so thrilled to be here again with you this week. I hope you enjoyed our episode with Jennifer Rothschild last week. She was so inspirational. I'm so thankful if you didn't have a chance to listen to her, go back. Also, the previous episode before that with Edie Wadsworth and her book, All the Pretty Things, an amazing memoir about redemption. Um, you know, if you've missed some of the episodes, feel free to catch up. There's also a hundred plus more before that. So um, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. And I would love to extend to you an invitation to subscribe to the show in iTunes. That way you won't miss any future episodes. And to go back through the archives and reflect and remember the ways God has moved and worked and changed in our lives through our mud, through so many mud stories. It's my greatest passion to share stories with you that inspire and bring you hope and help you to realize that you are never ever alone. And I'm so very glad you're here. So it is Advent. It is the season of anticipation of Christ's birth, the Savior of the world, God with us, anticipating his birth and the week after, the completion of all of Advent, celebrating the good news that has come for all people. I'm so, so thankful to God for all that he's done to send Jesus to the world to save and rescue us and to make a way for us to be reconciled with him. And when I think of our guest for this week and next week, I can't help but think this is the message of her heart for the world to know and be drawn to and embrace this Jesus who has come to be God with us, to be hope for our hearts. Like many of you, I first met Anne Voskamp through her writing back in 2011 when she released her first book, 1000 Gifts. I found through blogging and through online social media, I found a community at her place, aholyexperience.com, or you can find it at annevoskamp.com now. But it became a community of finding and searching for all the ways God loved us, all the ways we can find to be thankful, to give thanks, to have Eucharisteo, even in the hard things, she calls it the hard Eucharisteo, to be able to name them and count them and remember all the ways God loves us. And uh, it led me on a journey. Um, I was able to meet Anne in person at a blogging conference back in 2011, face-to-face, And in many different conferences since then, we've connected through the years. We've become friends, you know, online friends through social media avenues. Maybe some of you have friends on social media. You know, when we meet people on social media, it can become a real thing. Real heart-sister friendship can happen um, even when we just only meet online for the first time. And so whether it's been Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or Voxer or even snail mail, it's been 
such a joy to get to connect with Anne and to walk alongside her as she purposes to really be used in ways that are special to her giftings. And I know she would say that is her desire for each and every one of us to embrace our unique God-given gifts and our unique circumstances that God has given and for us to not be afraid of broken things because God is redeeming everything. It's my favorite phrase from her new book, The Broken Way, A Daring Path into the Abundant Life. And I'm speechless to even have the words to introduce her. And so I'm going to let her introduce herself to you. This week will be part one. Next week, I'll be bringing you part two. And we'll just rejoice and celebrate with Anne as we close out this year, 2016. And the wonder that can happen when we decide to embrace our brokenness, to see that our broken things can actually be our greatest gifts. And um, I just, I'm so thrilled she's here. So grab a cup of hot tea, grab some coffee. Maybe you're in the car doing errands. Maybe you're exercising whatever it is you're doing in this season. I pray that Anne's words would bless you and encourage you and inspire you and uplift you. And that you would know that God sent his son to rescue and save you. And no matter what broken thing you're facing, that he has come to redeem it in your life. Here we go. Did it work? It worked. We're connected. (laughs) Oh, Oh, wow. Happy Friday to you. Oh, thank you, Lord, for Friday. How are you? I'm good. Do you have sunshine? Do you have sunshine there? Yes. Yes, we do. But I don't have seasons here. So that is sad. It's sad yeah, not to have seasons. It's snowing here right now, and I think I could use sunshine. Oh, I'm sure I would struggle with that, but I've never known anything different. I was just going to say, were you born in California? Yes, I was born in California. I was born in central California in a little farming town called Visalia. It's actually not farming per se, but central California is very agricultural. Okay, so where, where is that near, Jackie? Between Bakersfield and Fresno. California. Yeah. Central San Joaquin Valley. Yep. At the, at the base of where the big giant sequoia trees are. Yep. We drove through there last year. Really? Yeah. We went went out and spent a night up in the park with the sequoias. Oh, yep. And then came back down to Santa Barbara. Yep. It's um, yeah. where, when people used to come visit my parents, uh, you know, from out of state or whatever, that's where we would always take them because it's only about an hour and 15 minutes up the hill to see the big trees and Gi- General oh, Sherman, you know. If I could live anywhere in the world, I think I would live up in the Sequoias. You think so? I love it so much. Yeah. Have you ever been to Lake Tahoe? No. Like, oh, Lake Tahoe's amazing. You would love it there too. Any mountain thing, we are, um, my husband is um, fair skinned with lots of freckles. And so the beach is not his thing. Mountains are his thing. And so we make it a plan to visit as many mountainous places that we can with just lots of wide open sky and big green oh, trees. Beautiful. And so, yeah. So we love mountains. How far away is Lake Tahoe from you? About six to eight hours. 
It's okay. right where okay. Nevada and California kind of intersect okay. yep, right yep, there yep, in the corner. Yep. It's yep. a beautiful freshwater lake. It's super deep. Like, and populated? Like, is it is it busy tourist-wise? Um, in the summer, it can be, but there's some beautiful cabin homes just spread all around, and it's right on the corner of Nevada. You know, you can spend yep. time in Nevada at Lake Tahoe, or you can spend time in California. Um, and so when the kids were really little, I think McKenna was maybe less than a year old. And in the years prior, we would rent a cabin. There, There's like places you can go and rent really beautiful cabins. And so we would do that. And we just, you know, go to the grocery store and spend a week at a cabin in the mountains and play games. And there's a spaghetti place we love. And then we'd always go miniature golfing. My husband's a big golfer. So he likes to check out the golf courses there because they have lots of beautiful golf courses in Lake Tahoe. But I think I'm Buy a ticket and fly to Lake Tahoe. You have convinced me. If you ever want to go into the tourism industry, <laughs> well, if you will let me know, I would be happy to tour you around. Oh, there you what a, go. What a joy there that would be. Yeah. Well, someday. 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 Well, you know what? I did not write a formal introduction for you for coming on the podcast because you know what? I just figured people could Google you. You know? Like that. Yeah. I'm not thinking you've ever Googled yourself. Have you ever Googled no, yourself? No, actually, that might be a bad idea. I hope that worked out for folks. Well, I thought maybe we can start if you want to introduce us to your family, even though, you know, many of us know who your family is. It's lovely yeah. to have an update and just to, you know, have you run down the list and tell us what's going on with each and everybody before we get into okay, the other yeah. details, you know? Um, sure. I am married to a good fine Dutch farmer um we farm full-time um in what I call the backside of the wilderness in Canada <laughs> we have um we have 650 sows so we always have about a thousand baby piglets out in the barn at all times and we have um we run 800 acres of land corn soybean and wheat in three-year rotation and um we are the parents of seven wild and crazy <laughs> Um, Caleb is 21. He's taking a business economics degree at the University of Waterloo. Joshua is 19. He's taking a mathematical mathematical physics and quantum physics at the University of Waterloo. Hope is 17, turning 18 at the end of this week. How oh. is that possible? <laughs> and don't um, you have two that share the same birthday? Yeah, I do. So we have two yeah. really big birthdays this week. We I have, know. Oh, Hope turns 18 and Levi turns 16 oh. on Sunday. And Levi has decided he's getting baptized on Sunday. So Sunday oh. is going to be a big day for us. Um, so Hope is in her first year of going to school, which is her last year of high school. She was looking towards um, going into a nursing program is what she really hopes to do. She's looking at next year, maybe taking a gap year, traveling the world and doing some internships and then headed off to university. And then we have yay for nursing. <laughs> yeah. She's so, she is passionate. Jackie. Oh. So, passionate. so I have, I think she'd make an awesome teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been offered internships. Um, actually some really amazing internships with her photography and she's just bound and determined. Now I am going into nursing. Oh, <laughs> so there. Man. Um, well, she's just, should we spend some time in, um, her and I spent some time in Uganda and Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And when she came to that, she was just, it was really cemented in her heart that that's really what she wanted to do. So, I love it. um, 
Hope is really looking forward to that. Levi is 16. He would like to go into um, electrical engineering of some sort. Josh or Malachi is 14, um, and he really wants to farm. And mm. Shalom is 11, and she definitely wants to farm. <laughs> Um, we talked about her, whether she wants to go ahead to be a vet. Uh-huh. Um, but she keeps saying, no, I'm going to farm with Malachi and dad. So we'll see what happens. And then we have little Shiloh who just turned to the end of August. Shiloh's been home with us since April. So what is that, Jackie? Mm-hmm. Eight, eight months, yeah. nine months. Shiloh's yeah. been home with us. Um, and uh, <laughs> Malachi said last night, we were all cleaning off the table <laughs> after dinner. And Malachi said, Mama, don't you love Shiloh? She just fills their house up with laughter and music. Mm. Oh, she does. <laughs> so, yes, there we are. We're t- from the ages of 2 to 21 here as well. I know. Well, Pretty. you know, I share some ages with you. I don't have seven, but I do have five. And 21 is a magical age, I think. Um, I'm just – I have a son also who's 21. And wow. it's like they come back to you with such – uh, I don't know. Lately, he's been asking me my opinions, and he just wants to hang out as friends. And yes. I'm just, there were some years in there that were super hard. Yes. And, you know, and it's so important, I think, to tell other moms exactly that, because there are some brutal teenage years. Oh. And you're right, you, you hit 21, and they pick up the phone, and they go, hi, mom, how are you? And they just want to hang out and talk. <laughs> you're like, what? What mode are we in? You know, I got a text the other day, like, mom, I just miss you. I want to hang out with you. I want to do that more. And when can I come over? Yeah. And I almost dropped my phone. My heart started beating so fast. I was so excited. And I was afraid to get excited. And of course, I don't want to seem like it's a big deal, you know, when he comes because... <laughs> totally chill. Totally chill. Totally chill. Because I never want to come across like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. Um, because then I'm afraid it won't be so amazing. But um, it's... <laughs> Us moms, we have to keep down on the down low, you know. We have to, oh, you know, yes. fly under the radar. But, um, but yeah, some of those years super hard and um when you mentioned that um that shalom might want to do farming that is so not surprising to me that you say that because she seems not to be a stranger of dirt <laughs> so, no she loves and she's always been always right from the very beginning whatever the boys could do shalom could do too and she she loves her daddy so much and her daddy loves her so much Aww. that um whatever daryl is doing Shalom just stays with him right till he comes in. Last night, they both came in from the barn at 10 o'clock. So she just really, and you know what? Jackie, I told her, you said, honey, Shalom, agriculture, it's hard for Mm -hmm. women. We're we're often farmers' wives, but we're not often farmers. And you you go to pick up parts at the, at the, at the um, farm equipment shop and, and, and they (laughs) hard on women in there and they, and, and Shalom said, I'm just so glad you told me all this, Mom, because now I definitely want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a spitfire. You've got to love that. Yes, it's so true. She says, oh. my name is Shalom, and I try to be peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> and yet amidst all of this chaos, I know you went some years without a baby on your arm, you know, without that. I Sometimes for now, I can't relate to this because I will confess I'm an extrovert. We all have different issues when we're extroverts. But for those of you like you have described yourself as an introvert, sometimes those years of baby wearing and, you know, homeschool trekking field trip 
making, you know, those are easier years to navigate because you have a purpose, you have a definite mission, you have something, Mm -hmm. a task at hand that's just filling up all the hours, right? And then years with no baby in the home and now the life of a two-year-old. I love that you described that it's bringing life to everyone. Almost everybody. Actually, (laughs) that conversation. We should all get ourselves a two-year-old. (laughs) <laughs> the conversation continued last night where everybody was saying, Hey, it was Kai and Shalom were really pushing it where can we adopt another one, mama? <laughs> and they were, it was just so, it's been so much fun because we did, we stacked a lot of kids, six years, mm-hmm. six kids across 10 years. It was intense. And, intense, and now yes. Shiloh just Shiloh being the only, like it's a, we dropped from 11 down to two. Mm-hmm. Um, just everybody, she's just, as everyone wraps around her little finger and everyone just totally smitten and so happy. And she's so happy. Aww. So it has, and as you know what, it's really good to, I miss reading books to little people. Mm-hmm. I missed. You spent lots of years doing that, huh? I spent, I mean, I only came to writing because I spent years and years and years of reading two to three hours a day allows the kids and came to writing only because you know what we don't have an updated geography curriculum and that's where I started okay well I have to tell you I have that book I have your geography <laughs> oh goodness you know on this book tour for the broken way a woman came through the line Aww. with a stack of books for me to sign and she had the geography Did book you? and I laughed so hard I said this is the very first one of these I have ever ever signed <laughs> Oh, but you know, so it, it, my my heart for words just came out of loving the kids and loving reading words with them and being curious about the world and about, I think, you know, when we go ahead and we just live our life, we can only live one life. If we read lots of books, we can li- re- live thousands and thousands of lives through all the different literature that we're reading. So, and I missed them. Yeah, I'm just putting so much to bed in a crib at night and someone wake up and go, mama, mama. <laughs> so this has been, in some ways you're like, oh my goodness. Caleb is 21 and, mm-hmm. and I'm here. I am back to changing diapers and getting bottles ready, but I'm really, really happy. Well, and it's a different perspective in our forties, right? Than in our twenties. It's just, it, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've just lived some life. Our priorities are like, I mean, I'm much more relaxed now, Jackie, than I was mm-hmm. in my twenties. I just, I think I'm done with perfectionism. I'm done with trying to meet anyone else's expectations. I just, mm-hmm. you realize that, Life is not an emergency. Life is a gift. (laughs) And I just, I want to freeze frame every moment. I want to be present in ways. I mean, again, the practicalities, it's just, it's different when you have older children that are much more independent. So it, it, I mean, the practicalities are very different too. That's true. That's true. And we know more and we just have a different perspective. We've grown, but so you, uh, you went on this big tour, Miss Anne, (laughs) this big book tour. Wow. (laughs) Um, when I first saw that itinerary, I was like, wow, that is ambitious and amazing and is going to be such a gift that you were willing to give that time to those people that you met. Um, you Mm -hmm. have to know, I have experience with this because, um, you have the best lines of people on the planet, really, really the best people. And in fact, I've decided that if I'm ever lacking friends, that I'm just going to go find one of your lines or one of your communities. 
stop. It is so true. No, so you have tr- to hear my stories about this because <laughs> okay. I am- And then I my stories because people okay. came through with the I didn't come I thought I was coming to see you, but I actually came to meet this person right here. We're gonna get together and have coffee. Okay, well that's my story because I have stood in my fair share of Miss Anne Voskamp lines. And uh. um I I mean, from the very first relevant conference that I attended, which was the second year they ever had it, I remember meeting Heather McFadden and Michelle DeRussia. And of course, we met each other with crying tear messes running down our faces. But um, at Women of Faith in Anaheim, I met these two sweet ladies who live in Long Beach near me, Ginny and and Linda. They're friends. I still stay in touch with them. Um, I even met I've wow. even I've even met amazing people in your Facebook threads. I think a couple of them I've become Facebook friends with. They live not even an hour from me. So <laughs> I love them so much. I'm just saying, you all listening, if you ever need a friend, just go find <laughs> Anne and her lines and her communities uh, because you really, truly. And I think it's because we together are broken and made whole in Christ and we resonate with one another's story. So tell me your stories about your lines because I can't wait. I, think I, get, I got so excited in so many places because the Broken Way talks over and over again that Koinonia is always, always the miracle yes. that we're, we're meant to be in communion. We're meant to be in community. We're not meant to be lone rangers. We're not meant right. to do life solo at all. And, and to see people who would come into bookstores feeling crazy nervous. And as an introvert, oh my goodness, <laughs> I have deep empathy and resonate with those pounding sparrow hearts. Yes. Um, and, and then they're standing there in a line and somebody turns to them and says, Hey, I got the kids dinner and my husband's taking care of them tonight and someone says oh me too and then they start to share how, how did you first read Anne and they start sharing like their own brokenness and their own wrestle for thanksgiving in hard places mm-hmm. and 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 how do we just walk with Christ day in and day out in places that are just you just want to give up and it's really hard so by the time you get to meet them they're like hi yeah nice to meet you but guess who I met <laughs> <laughs> and and that's that's so much more powerful because they they've made community right there somebody that they can connect with and people that came through the line by the time they got to meet they were just sobbing saying you know I have felt so depressed and so alone I've I've been here like six months I can't find a church and I just met this woman small group this week and like it was a store after store I'm so glad I got to show up and I can be completely peripheral and invisible because the worst thing ever is that someone would come looking for Jesus and would only find you so I'm just I was thrilled in so many places but it, you know what you didn't you were supposed to meet and to find community in your own places so I think again it's it's back to Koinonia, koinonia, koinonia. How do I have communion with Christ all the time? And how do I live in communion and community right where I am? Because if we can be, if we can dare to take that broken way of living broken and given like bread, there's a feast to be had in those vulnerable places. Absolutely. And that's why my passion is so deep to share mud stories. You, I mean, you get it. Yeah. We've all been in such hard places and it is so tempting to think that we're the only one. I mean, I hate to admit it, but I've been in those places of spiraling down, you know, whatever I'm standing in the mess of my kitchen or whatever. And like, no one has it as bad as me, you know, and and you just you start feeling like you're the only one. And the truth is we have to replace those thoughts with what truth is. And that's my passion behind sharing stories. And I know you your passion about writing stories is for us not to be alone, not to be alone, not and to understand, you know what? If I go ahead and I wear a mask 
that I have this all together. What ultimately gets masked is Christ gets masked. The power of Christ in my life gets masked. So, it, but I mean, we, we do have to, it takes tremendous courage. I call it the courage of stars mm. <laughs> to, to go ahead and be vulnerable. But um, if we if we can give each other the gift of going first and saying, hey, here's my heart on the table, I think it, it allows other people to put their heart on the table. And um, when we know we're not alone, I mean, ultimately, I believe that witness breaks brokenness. And to know that um, I'm not the only person here, there's other people here with me. And I mean, here we are in Advent. And it, it's, it's all about Emmanuel, God with us. And I think if we that witness can break brokenness, and in the midst of our own brokenness, if we can say, my brokenness qualifies me <laughs> to go ahead and come to the table. It qualifies me to be a world changer because I can look at other broken people and come alongside and be with them in their brokenness. I have deep empathy because I know what that feels like. Right. And that's how our brokenness can be the gift, right? Oh, over and over and over again because your brokenness now makes you an expert in that kind of pain. Right. I think it's the answer to pain and suffering in the world is to go, my my pain and suffering allows me now to step into other people's pain and suffering and, and to take bits of my broken heart and pour it into their broken heart so that there's a wholeness and abundance, not only for them, but for me also. And I think really what the world is, we look at Jesus in the New Testament and he's most characterized by compassion. And literally compassion means co-suffering. How he lives, mm, <laughs> moves so into good. our bring with us. Mm -hmm. And if we want to be, we, we say we want to be compassionate people, but what that means is we have to dare to take the broken way. We have to dare to say, I'm, I'm going to step in and suffer with somebody else. And goodness sakes, I get it. That sounds painful. I'm like, okay, I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> but if, if we can choose compassion, if we can choose to live a life of co-suffering with somebody else, we end up finding ourselves most abundantly fulfilled that we have the most meaningful lives because the world changers are ultimately people who step into places of suffering and bring change and transformation out of those places of suffering. We don't get to be world changers unless we're willing to be compassionate, to co-suffer with mm. other people suffering. So good. So good. And that doesn't have to be necessarily a stranger. That could be the people oh, in our own homes. Underneath your own roof. Right. Because I think sometimes that's the hardest part because you're like, okay. get over your thing. Like, listen, look at all that I've done today. Like, pull up your bootstraps and get with the program. And it's almost harder with those that are closest to us to have that empathy than it is maybe somebody that we see that we can serve and send a check to or, or whatever. And, and not that those things aren't important either, but... But, no, no, those are all good yeah. things. I think there's something really powerful and that calls us to a deeper level of surrender when we're called to co-suffer and be compassionate with those underneath their own roof because it's so tempting <laughs> if we can go serve in some way where I'm seen and there's applause, uh, that feels such, I mean, that's much more meaningful. That's much more powerful. But, but the Lord, I mean, he tells us again and again and again, all through the New Testament, the attitudes talk about, if you go ahead and do your, your acts out the street corner to be seen and people applaud, you, you've already had your reward. I don't want to get to heaven and there'll only be silence. I mean, <laughs> you only, all the applause that you get here, and we're desperate for the applause here, but then we get to heaven and, and, and we've already received our reward. I think there's so much... Um, 
it's a deeper call, but I think it's much more um, in the long term, much more fulfilling when we go ahead and we serve in quiet, mm. hidden things under our own roof and closed doors. Um, the reward for heaven is a deafening standing ovation. And I think, I think it, when we go ahead and serve in our own homes, it, it pulls us deeper into the gospel because um, it's really easy to put on, and we're back to those masks again, put on a nice mask and I'm going to go serve um, in a ministry at church. I'm going to go serve at the crisis pregnancy center. We put on the mask and we get dressed up and we go and do those things. When we serve in our own home, <laughs> it's a lot harder to hide. Our people see our own junk and our own messiness. They call us out on it. And it, and it makes us cling to the cross more and stay I talk about all the way through the broken way about this idea of cruciform of, of living shape like a cross. And I think when we go ahead and serve in our home homes, it, it pulls us closer to the cross. It, it demands that we're shaped like a cross. We have to cling to Jesus in ways and say, you know what? I'm serving you, but I'm as I'm as broken, more broken than you are. And I need Jesus as desperately, more desperately than you do. And it keeps you in such a, a humble place where to think that the cross can shape us in really beautifully, deeply transformative ways. Yeah, I think you're right. And yet, not everyone is given the smallest ways to walk out our influence and our impact in the world. I know you know that from personal experience, mm -hmm. because um, I'd love to talk with you a little bit about the challenge of notoriety and critics and things like that, because I asked some of my people, my in real life people and my online people, what they would love for me to ask you. And some of those questions were in there. But before we get to that, I'd love to go back and talk about what life was like for Anne without an E before A Thousand Gifts, because... Or I should say 1,000 gifts. My mom's, an, my mom's an English teacher. So I, her, her tracks and tapes play in my mind of how I should enunciate things. Um, side note, I digress. Um, but, you know, characteristically, um, this podcast is about our mud stories. And we talk about our mud again, like we just talked about. Not because we want to highlight the hard, but because we want to walk together in koinonia and mm -hmm. um, exalt Christ in and what he's done yeah. in and through us in the process. So tell me just practically. Yeah. Anne grew up in Canada mm -hmm. on a farm, generations of farmers. I know yep. this to be true. Yes. What are you right in the opening of 1000 Gifts about the death yeah. of your sister Amy, the tragedy mm -hmm. that beset your family and um, and all of that, that really began to form the mm -hmm. mud that you would begin to face as mm -hmm. milestones along the way to where you are now. And mm -hmm. I'd love for us to just maybe we can talk through some of these questions or issues that people asked me to convey to you in the context of walking through these milestones of mud along mm -hmm. the way. Would that sound fine to do? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so talk to me about what life was like after after age four? Yeah, I think um, I had, I was terrified of the world. Mm. Um, when your first memory is your sister being crushed and killed in such a violent way in front of you, she was crushed by a, a service truck that came into our farmyard. Um, I was terrified. Death seemed so close and um a possibility around any corner. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep at night as a child at all. I had night terrors. 
My mother would spend hours rubbing my legs, saying to me, trying to calm me down enough to go to sleep at night. Mm. Um, by the time I was seven, I had ulcers, um, was hospitalized. An incredibly anxious child. Um, I was the oldest um, and profoundly shy. Anyone would come to the farm, I would go and hide behind the barn. Mm. I am. Um, the world seemed like a really big, scary, scary place um, where there were accidents and funerals and gravestones. Um, mm. And then um, throughout my grade, uh, grade four, grade eight, every couple of years, through my elementary years, through high school, my mom was hospitalized, locked psych wards, um, just... Mm. The trauma of watching her daughter be killed in front of her and not knowing at all how to process that. And it brought up all kinds of horrific incidents from her own past and yes. not knowing how to cope with any of that. Um, so by my teen years, um, Broken Way talks about how I started cutting through my teen years, didn't know how to cope with the pain at all. Um, we weren't a believing family. Um, and I just, I did, I wanted to split all of that and fear and terror and pain sort of drain out of me. Um, by the time I was at university, I um, was diagnosed with um, an anxiety disorder, just mm. really, really profoundly anxious. And I think I, I tried to, um, because the world seems so out of control when your first memory is your sister being killed in front of you, right. I thought I could try my My coping mechanism really became becoming a control freak, how much could I try to control the world mm -hmm. if I could be a perfectionist yeah. and I could ward off. Um, it's so exhausting. Just, 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 I could try to ward off catastrophes. If I could try yeah. to ward off um, the next crisis, if I could try to just, yeah. just a really an iron grip on my life so that, they, so that nightmares, mm -hmm. <laughs> I could hurt them no matter um whatever was lurking behind the next corner. So I think, and then, and then we went and had, we got married, came to the farm, which is only um, 15 minutes from where I grew up, about seven minutes from where my husband grew up. Um, we started off dirt, 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 poor. Um, felt like we were on the brink of bankruptcy for five years, just trying to make payments. Um, mm. Babies came fast. I put in, 16 to 18 hour days in the barn every single day. Um, remember, talk about being in the mud. Wow. Oh, it's literally, literally, <laughs> literally, I would birth little baby pigs all Aww. day long. I'd have a baby on my back in a carrier, Caleb at my knees all the time. Okay, how do you maneuver dirty manure mud with babies? Uh, I'm confused. About I know, seriously, um, Joshua, how I, does that Joshua, work? Joshua was born on. A Saturday, and I was back in the barn on Monday. Oh, Anne. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, and we were just, it was, they were hot. Like, and I'm you, hot. you met Jesus through Daryl's mom, is that right? Yes, through Daryl's mom. <laughs> she, she ran a Good News Bible Club. Daryl was the youngest of nine. She was a Dutch immigrant um, who decided she would open her home up every Friday night and just share the good news of Jesus mm. with her thick Dutch accent. She did that for 23 years. Um, between 60 and 80 kids in her home <laughs> singing Amazing. the I-B-L-E. Yep. And um, 
I came to know Jesus and kid from the other side of the tracks. And I was the first one, Gerald was the first one in his family to marry someone who wasn't a hundred percent Dutch. So was I not only from the wrong side of the tracks, I also wasn't Dutch. <laughs> but if you ain't Dutch, you weren't much. <laughs> we had a lot of Dutch immigrants. Anyway. Oh goodness. Can you imagine um, if she wouldn't have dared to open up her home to kids? Exactly. And you if know, she, if she didn't dare to open up her home, if she hadn't dared to pray, I mean, she, she'd already, um, she'd already buried one child before Daryl was born. <sighs> she prayed and prayed and prayed. And, Told her husband that no, she really wanted one more. So I'm so glad she had the ninth. And then the year Daryl was born, their oldest son was killed in a car accident. So Daryl and I both knew oh. what it was like to have siblings that had mm-hmm. that were buried. And um, we both knew what it was like to grow up in homes where our parents were processing mm-hmm. deep grief. But in Daryl's family, they did that with Jesus at the center. And and my family did it with, with work and perfectionism at yeah. the center. And um so hard. Then we came here and we I had to try to we're trying to keep the farm afloat and meals on the table and stacking kids real close mm-hmm. together. By the time Hope was born, um Don and I said, you know what, whatever we have to do, we need to hire somebody to help us. Um so that I could I, I still worked part time on the bar until after Levi was born. And then I started homeschooling everybody and still worked in the barn every other weekend when our employee had a weekend off. So, mm-hmm. so it's, I mean, I know, I know manure. I know <laughs> I I'll come into the, from the barn with my t- I remember meeting neighbors at the front door. They'd come in and knock at the, at the back door <laughs> and I'd have babies on hips and kids at my knees and still wearing my barn clothes that were covered in blood and manure. <laughs> So I know, I know mud and, and dirt, <laughs> Jackie, and, and dirt. you know birth too. Goodness, I'm guessing you learned that like trial and trial yeah, and error, uh, trial by fire. Well, like we had, I, I'd induce sows. Um, oh, you to would give, induce them. Yeah, we induced for Tuesdays and Fridays. See, I knew so we you, were the same. You're exactly. like, you're so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so we would induce um, Mondays. And Thursdays to, to Pharaoh out, which is birthing. Yeah. Pharaoh the sows on Tuesdays and Fridays. And I would spend all day Tuesday and Fridays um, You're a just doodling a, a little baby pigs, drying them off, mm-hmm. getting them under heat lamps. And they have, especially gilts, which is um, that's their first time faring, first time giving birth. Mm-hmm. Lots of times they'd have problems. So I'd have to put on gloves and actually Have go inside sows and pull out little baby pigs and, Aww. and those long, hard, hard days. And then you go ahead and we'd actually, I'd get into crates and, and, um, I'm really loving that we're having this podcast. You know, I'm <laughs> not talking about these things at all. I'm thinking, I don't know if I've ever written about these things. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry to bring out the worst, but you know what? You're talking to somebody who goes to work and starts Pitocin and I do human birth. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, how we roll around here. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Years of going ahead and, and actually milking out sows so that I could go ahead. I would do store up colostrum and then feed it yeah. back to little baby pigs. Mm. Um, there were years. And I mean, I grew up on a on dairy. Daryl grew up on a dairy farm and I grew up on a sow farm. So um, that's what I knew as a kid. But there's so many lessons to be learned through all of oh, that. Life God. lessons and allegories well, and analogies. And, and, you know, I learned so much about, learned so much, Jackie, about letting go. Letting go. <laughs> learned mm-hmm. so much about what I 
couldn't. I mean, I would try to stay. I hated having to leave the barn because um, sows, um, after they give birth, um, sometimes the way they lay down, they can crush little baby pigs. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to stay in the barn 24-7. I never wanted to leave the farrowing rooms at all. I wanted to make sure every every pig lived, that every pig, nobody got sick. I yeah. And it's it, letting go of, you know what, Anne, you can't control it. You can't stay in the barn 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You have to let go. Sows get sick. Baby pigs die. You, I mean, you have to let God do what God's going to do. Or you, you, faithfulness is showing up oh, and doing that's so good. And, and, and letting go of the rest, Anne. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, I've carried that is success release is showing up and, and bending down. <laughs> and that's all going I lower. It, yep. It is always just going lower mm-hmm. and, and the rest I have to leave to God. And I think being farmers, we're just very cognizant all the time that you can plant your crop, but God sends rain, God sends heat, God, God allows all things to grow. You cannot mm-hmm. force a seed in the broken way. You've got that handful of seeds in the front cover. And it's the metaphor throughout the book is that yep. it's a seed life. I believe in small things and that the seed before gives that, that shoot of new life. It, it looks like it's being crushed. It's broken. It looks like destruction, but out of broken places, there's resurrection and new life. And, and you can't rush, rush those things yeah. that broke away seed life. It, it's, it's on God's timing and in God's ways and, and faithfulness is you showing up and you doing your part and then living completely open handed, broken and given out into the world and let mm-hmm. God stop it. And all is grace. I mean, it, it that's what yeah. we learned in through the process of 1000 gifts, taking that journey with you that God yeah. gives and all things are from him and through him and to him and all is grace. And can we count it as a gift, even though it doesn't seem like a gift? And, exactly. and, and that was the groundwork for even starting on the path of walking the broken way, which, really um, yeah, so, I so think, good. I think I heard them. After I'd given thanks for a thousand things, five thousand, ten thousand things, um, my heart just really broke with gratitude in so many ways where I realized we've been given so much. Mm. Uh, everything is a gift and it's meant to be given, <laughs> not to be hoarded. You look at Jesus, right. he's given bread, he gives thanks, then what does he do? He doesn't consume it, he doesn't hoard it, he doesn't hold on, he breaks it, he, he gives it out into a broken-hearted world. Right. And I think the answer to so much pain and suffering in the world is if we will go ahead and, and take all the gifts that we've been given and not only be grateful for them, but our gratitude, if, if we've really been moved by the grace of that which we've been given, grace starts movement. It moves us out into the world to, to, to give those gifts on. I think that God gives enough to the world if we will go ahead and share what's been given. And I, so the broken way was was not only about living broken and given, giving the gifts out into the world, not only counting all the gifts that I've been given, but then saying, Lord, make me into a gift. Let right. me take all the gifts and give it forward today, be the gift G I F T as opposed to that, that pay it forward. Cause I don't think we, we can pay back God, but we can give it forward, give all the grace that he's given, give it forward out into the world, but also to realize that just exactly what you do so beautifully and powerfully Jackie over and over and over again is, mm-hmm. can you believe that your broken heart is a gift to give out into the world, that you're the most vulnerable places in your life, <laughs> the thing you want to hide, the thing that where you feel the most broken. Can you believe that that might be your strongest, greatest gift to give out in the world? And I think mm. to realize that um, what do you do with your one broken heart? The answer to that is to give it <laughs> out into the broken hearted world. Um, 
so that other people know they're not alone in their own brokenness. We so much we say we want intimacy, and intimacy only can come through us giving our one broken heart. Intimacy can only come through places where we have the courage to be vulnerable. So that dare to take the broken way is a dare to live into vulnerability, to live into humility, to live into generosity. So we reach, we really want that abundant life of intimacy and community, koinonia. And it comes through, we, we, we say we want the intimacy, we say we want the communion, but it only comes through the brokenness of sharing our, our vulnerabilities, brokenness of being crazy humble (laughs) and sharing our our month stories exactly what you do well and it's hard though in the moment to Mm. believe when you're in that low place because I completely resonate with everything you're saying but for me you know some of our brokenness some of us have brokenness that we've chosen oh Jack yes and for for me I mean it was an affair and divorce. I mean, no one in my entire family had ever been divorced before. This was, this was just life shattering. And so for five, six, seven, eight years to go by hiding in silence, hoping the new people that I met didn't know. And I not being vulnerable, not wanting, you know, we, we attended a couple's Bible study for three years at a new church. Um, never telling anyone our story because you know it's that fear of if if they find out who I really am if, if they know what I've really done then certainly I'm going to be rejected I'm not going to be liked and and yet that robs what I what I ended up learning what God taught me as I went through this dance with him of being apologetic and grieving my sin you know um we're talking about the broken way. And it, even this morning, I was thinking of a scripture that meant so much to me in that time, Psalm 34, where God is close to those who are of a broken heart. And when I was in that place, I really clung to the amplified version there, which takes some liberty. But I think the concept is so expanded in some of these translations because um, it says, God is near to those who are of a broken heart and saves such who are crushed with sorrow for sin and are thoroughly and humbly penitent. And for me, those words were so moving because, you know, God really corrected me in my quiet time with him to say, do you think your sin was so special that I can't use your brokenness to help someone else in their brokenness? And I think that's what you're saying. And even scandalous things that we actually even choose, God can, I mean, we're really demeaning what Christ has done by not choosing to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there. And and it's what you do each and every day when you come to the screen and write. It's what you're asking us to do to be intentional with. I I started the broken way off talking about the pain of, um, the pain of my mother being in, um, a lock psych ward and a pastor at church laughing at that they once lived next door to a loony bin. Um, and, and exactly what you're talking about, the, you went to a Bible study for three years and didn't want to tell anybody. The church, the church is suffering, the church isn't for Christ. I'm begging the church, I'm begging places of faith to be safe places mm-hmm. for us to bring our brokenness 
the things we've chosen, the things that, that have broken us, the things that feel like they're so shattered, I could never give words to them. If the church can't be a safe place yeah. to bring those things, we've missed the gospel somewhere. So I, yes, as much as I hope each of us, as we have enough courage to share mud stories, to take our masks off, to, to share our brokenness, our unspoken broken with each other. I hope at the same time, it's a call to the church for us to get off of our pedestals, that we, and our self-righteousness, that, that we haven't, we don't have our own unspoken broken. Each of us do. Yeah, we And do. that we need to go, I'm, I'm no better, than, I'm worse than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think make the church a place where it's safe for you to come in and say, I'm so busted. And some of it I did to myself and I wish I could go back, but I can't go back. But the safe has the place, the church has to be a safe place for me to move forward. Yeah. So I, I hope that if it can start not only a revolution of us being the gift and, and being broken and given out into the world and giving forward all the grace that God has given us, but I hope also it starts a revolution in the church to say it church is a safe place for you to talk about your unspoken broken. Yeah. Yeah, and yes. a safe place to receive those who are brokenhearted. And yes. that's, that's part of, I think, what God's work in our hearts does. Because, you know, if we really believe that all things are grace, that all things are from Him, could it be that what we think is tragedy or brokenness is really the cultivating rich soil of breaking that seed for Him to prepare us to serve and become the gift in a way in the future that we would not have been equipped to do were it not for the brokenness that we wrestled through? in those very and hard places. And it's, and it's not ever to um, diminish or negate the pain of that process or the pain it caused other people through that process. Right. But to understand that in the midst of that, he had a, a greater good still in store and plan and, and trust that he's going to take the brokenness and he's going to make it into abundance. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And that's my prayer. That's Anne's prayer as we face this week and next week and 2017 and beyond that we would be able to come to a place where we could trust that God will take our brokenness and make it into abundance. And so join with me in believing that. I cannot wait for you to have a copy of Anne's book, The Broken Way. Maybe you've already read it. If you haven't, we're going to do a giveaway of Anne's book. So if you would like to be entered to win a copy of Anne's book, all you have to do is get out your cell phone and you're going to text the words, The Broken Way, to the number 33444. That will send you a text and all you do is reply with your email and I will enter you to win a copy of Anne's book, which we will draw the winner the first week of the new year. And I can't wait to gift it to one of you. It is an amazing book. And if I had unlimited resources, I would buy a copy for each and every one of you, like for real. It's amazing. And um, I'm just so thankful for our little small group that's going through it. Maybe there's some people in your life that would like to go through Anne's book together, The Broken Way. You know, there's power in being vulnerable with one another and in establishing um, our raw transparency in community because we need to take off those masks and we need to be real with somebody face-to-face in our own life. And that's where real healing and real transformation and real growth can happen. And I know that's Anne's heart for us and it's mine too. And I want to partner with her 
in whatever way that can happen. If you could be blessed by winning a copy of Anne's book, that's what I would love for you. So text the words, The Broken Way, to the number 33444, and I can't wait to give a book away the first week of 2017. Also, you should know, um, if you've listened to the previous couple episodes, I've been updating you on the sponsorship for this show, and I've decided to embark upon an adventure, an adventure in a small business on the side to try to help support the ministry of this show. My life has been changed by the use of essential oils and the products, supplements, vitamins, all the things that Young Living so brilliantly creates. If you've never heard of Young Living as a company, I would love to share more with you about that. It has become such a blessing in my life and in the life of my family and in so many of those who I've met who are part of the Young Living family. I've known about Young Living essential oils for years, but I didn't pay much attention to them until I was desperate. And what I want you to know is if you're like me, skeptical, unsure, you know, um, apprehensive, believe me, I was right where you are. And in fact, even until I bought my initial starter kit, I was skeptical even after that. But what I'm discovering and these amazing molecules that God has placed in plants that are all natural and um, have healing properties, I, I just each and every day, I just can't get over them. And I need you to know that Young Living is so much more than essential oils. I mean, I kind of dismissed them in that way because I thought it was just like candles or something that smells good. And listen, I am discovering that there are so many chemicals and toxins that we are exposed to in our homes on a daily basis. And Young Living has an answer to getting our homes toxic-free, chemical-free, changing out our cleaners, our lotions, our soaps. So much more than just essential oils. And I don't know about you, but I have a passionate desire to help my family not be exposed to these kinds of things in my very own home. And I regret that I haven't been aware of this earlier. And it's my great desire for you to um, have the information. You know, I wouldn't be a good friend if I've discovered something that's just so amazing and so incredible and such crucial information if I don't share it with you. And the beautiful thing about it is that it I have found that it can have the potential to being a way to support this show so I don't have to interrupt the show with advertising and sponsors and all those things that would interrupt us hearing the heart of someone's vulnerable and transparent mud story. And so that's my heart to really bless you with information maybe that you haven't known about before or that you just need more information about, or maybe you just don't want to embark on a journey like that alone. We have an amazing sisterhood, uh, you know, a closed Facebook page and just all kinds of resources. You would never have to embark on this alone. And so if this is something that you would like to partner with me in to get more information about Young Living or maybe get some toxins and chemicals out of your own home, my friend Edie has taught a class about... um, Um, toxin-free living and chemical-free living, and I could send you a link to that. Whatever it is, I just want you to know that I care, and it's a way that you can partner with me in helping keep this show going and blessing our lives at the same time, and I'm super excited about it. So if you would like more information, um, if you want to connect with me about Young Living as a company, maybe you want the video about how to get toxins and chemicals out of your home and you're interested in that, 
I would love nothing more than to send that to you. All you have to do, again, just text me. It's super easy. I want you to text the words, The Oily Sisterhood, to the number 33444, because that's what we are. We are an oily sisterhood, and we're just a bunch of ladies who are passionate, um, and men too. There's men in the company too, um, but Google it. Do your research. It's incredible, and it will change your life. I'm here to tell you. Um, I just can't not share with you because it's something that is so amazing, and uh, I just, you know, Gary Young, the founder of Young Living, has a vision and a passion that there should be no home on the face of the earth that um, is without the benefit of essential oils for health and wellness and for toxin-free living. And um, can you tell I'm passionate about this? (laughs) Anyway, if you want more information, text the words, The Oily Sisterhood, to the number 33444. I want you to know I am so thankful for you for joining me today. I can't wait to meet you here next week for the second half of our conversation with Anne. She's going to talk about how her journey in writing began, how she has maneuvered her writing career as she's gone along, really a writing ministry, how she has been equipped and uniquely gifted by God to serve the world. And I am so very thankful that even though she's been apprehensive, even though it's scary, even though there's fear, that she has decided to say yes to the calling that is upon her life. And we all have received a benefit because she's decided to say yes. And so what is it about your life that God is calling you to? What is it that you've been uniquely gift to do? How have you been equipped to become the gift right where you are. That's what we're going to talk about next time with Anne, and I can't wait for you to join me. Share this with your friends. Um, Send them a link. I think everyone needs to hear this message that Anne has to be blessed by finding um, that our brokenness can actually be a gift and not to be afraid of broken things because God is redeeming everything. I'm wishing you a very Merry Christmas. I hope you have an amazing week. I will meet you back here next time. And until then, whatever it is you're facing, whatever mud you're walking through, may you know that you are so very loved and you are never, ever alone. Have a beautiful day.